Welcome to the Change Book Podcast. My name is Rachel Best, and this is our co-host. I'm Nicole Harvick, and this is the Change Book Series. It is the fastest growing self-empowerment book series on the planet. This spans over 30 countries, and we now bring them all together in a powerful podcast destined to change people from all corners of the globe. So go ahead and grab your pen and paper because our guest today is going to share a lot of amazing tips and inspiration that you're definitely going to want to write down. Hi, everyone. I'm Nicole Harvick, and I am your host today for the Change Book Podcast. We have another amazing guest slash co-author to talk to today, and his name is Jonathan Amundsen. And I've been practicing that, so I, I hope I got that right. I, I am actually impressed. I really am. Thank you. I, I did it a couple times. I, I'm like, okay, because I get my name mispronounced all the time, so I'm really cautious when I pronounce names. So I got it right. Yay. And he is a hypnotherapist. He's also a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. So welcome, Jonathan. How are you today? I'm very well today. I, I saw that intro and I'm like, holy smokes, I'm going to have to shift my energy up like two solid notches. We, I mean, we are large and in charge here. We love the energy. We keep the energy going. So shift it however you have to, because we want to hear all about you and we want you to make us excited. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? These two, these two things, hip, hypnotherapy and NLP amaze me. And I have taken my NLP classes. I just never tested for it, which I'm meeting a lot of people that have. And I'm starting to think maybe I should have done that. But tell us a little about, bit about yourself, Jonathan. Well, I mean, how do I fit the last 42 years into, into anything? But Exactly. Um, kind of, let me, let me talk about why I'm doing hypnotherapy. Um, Perfect. I actually spent 20 years working in the funeral industry, uh, helping people basically as, as grief was really fresh for them. Um, and you know, it was, it was an honor. It was a privilege. It was deeply meaningful work. I love that I could be there for folks at a time when, you know, I think there are these, these moments in people's lives where, where it's kind of a nexus where, where like a slight change in their experience can change the whole trajectory of life for them. And I love that I got to be there and be humanity for people in those times. Um, be, be as, you know, uh, another nice thing about, um, nice thing about funeral work was there was never any expectation for me to make it okay or better or good. It mm -hmm. was going to suck. And yes. my job was just to make it the least sucky possible. And if I could do that, I could literally impact decades of people's lives, how they healed from grief. And I love that. I, uh, I still, from time to time, a lot of friends in the funeral industry. I'm uh, repeatedly tempted back to, oh, I would love to, to help families in that way. But I saw a lot of folks dying from smoking related illness and it's it's a little bit heartbreaking to see that repeatedly 
and go, man, if only people had a way out, because uh, if you've um, if you've ever seen somebody who is smoking after watching a loved one die, you know that PSA yeah. announcements, they only go so far, right? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's a blessing to whatever extent that the, the PSA announcements have, have, you know, scared people straight, so to speak, you know, gotten them into healthier habits. But I think they have largely reached all the people they're going to reach. And the folks who, you know, the studies, um, when people do a survey, 70 to 80 percent of people will say, smokers will say, I would like to stop smoking. And yet they're still smoking. Uh, often, um, often I talk to smokers whose journey to non-smoking has lasted 20 years sometimes. Uh, you one client, 25 years, uh, that she's been trying to quit, quit smoking. And, uh, it's not the same sort of, of choice. Um, so when I discovered that uh, hypnosis was the most effective way to quit smoking, it's like, well, maybe I can, rather than being there for people at the end, when I can only help their loved ones, maybe I can help people enjoy time with their loved ones. Because depending on when you catch uh, somebody uh, smoking and you're able to help them, you might add five years to their life. You might add 10. Uh, some studies show even a little bit more than that. Um, and smoking is not just a when you die thing. It's a quality of life thing. It's the energy that people have in, in their life. And um, money. Uh, in my area, a pack a day smoker is going to typically spend something over four grand a year. And that's just in these cost of cigarettes. Yeah, I know wow. it, it varies wild, wildly depending on what people are smoking, what locality they're in. Um, it can easily be a factor of two difference. Um, and of course, there's, uh, there's a minority of folks who will uh, roll their own cigarettes. Those people uh, have, have very little um, financial exposure to the problem, but it is still a deeply costful, costly problem to have a deeply costly habit to have. And people, you know, people are happy to tell me I'd love to be done with this, but they don't feel like they have a way out. And that's because our conscious mind and our unconscious mind operate differently. And sometimes yes. They can want different things. They can want radically different things. And if um, one side and the other are not on the same page with each other, uh, they're kind of pulling like this. And the experience of struggle being, being somebody in the middle of, of kind of the two halves of them pulling hard different directions, uh, that's not a great experience to have a lot of times. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, you know, I was so shocked when I moved out here to South Carolina because coming from Arizona, for the most part, we're very health minded. You know, there's hiking, there's golf, there's kayaking. And, you know, I, I saw very few people smoking. As a matter of fact, our restaurants, it was banned many, many years ago. And I watch people out here on the beach in nature. You're not even supposed to smoke on the beach. And they're, you know, one right after the other. 
And is it when you're addicted to smoking, is it the tobacco or is it something mental? Um, well, making zero bones about this, nicotine is highly addictive. Um, okay. Maybe the best way to get this point across is that when, um, if you're in, in communities where there's a lot of uh, street drug use, let's put it that way, mm -hmm. um, heroin, methamphetamine, these sorts of things, uh, a lot of times these recovery centers get really focused on, on getting people off of the, the heroin and the uh, methamphetamine, rightfully so, they will end you quickly. Um, and a very large fraction of those, those folks are smokers. They're smoking after, even after they've gotten clean, they're very proud of having gotten clean. But the nicotine is often something they don't even bother trying to clean up because they're just, they're just happy that folks aren't going to suddenly, you know, OD on nicotine and, um, and be dead, uh, to put it very bluntly. Um, yeah. But this, um, this is the sort of thing that when you 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 can quit uh, nicotine or you can quit uh, cocaine, um, meth, uh, heroin, and still be stuck for decades, maybe the rest of your life on nicotine. Um, if just like so many people want to tell smokers, oh, just quit. It's just as simple as not doing it. And yes, that's literally true all you have to do is not do the thing and you'll be fine and almost everybody in our society has something that they do or uh don't do do but wish they didn't or don't oh, do sure. but wish they did and yeah. that mismatch is basically it's the unconscious mind doing something different than what the conscious mind wants to do and again, the experience in the middle is not great. Um, you know, this can be this can be around people's uh, general health uh, experiences, like what they eat and uh, how much movement they get. Uh, you talked about being out in nature. Um, exercise does not have to be movement. Does not have to be like in a gym. Uh, it can be movement in general. Uh, when we are yes. when we are done, you're I talking about nature. That. Yeah, I um, much prefer that for me. For, for me, I um, I know lots of people who enjoy their, um, you know, going for a run or on a treadmill or something like that. That's not me. When when we are done here, uh, this is this is Saturday as we're recording this. Saturday is my once a week I go out on a hike. I, I usually walk every day, but uh, I got into a, um, I used to be a, I don't know about hiking, person uh my, my friends would send back pictures from the tops of mountains i'm like i'm very happy they like it i will gladly look at the pictures these are great i'm so glad that they Done. have these and yeah. i'm not i'm not going with them you know maybe if there's something like maybe for the social thing um about a year yeah year maybe three quarters ago uh i uh i was persuaded to get uh get up on a mountain and uh you know basically i was persuaded to take a hike but i got to do it at my own pace i was basically hiking alone and i realized that my experience hiking alone was very different than all the experience as i had had as a child hiking because as a child i was a very much larger person very much larger person i was also asthmatic 
And mm -hmm. I'd be, you know, involved in these youth groups, my parents doing the best they can to, to like socialize me and give me good experiences. But uh, youth groups would go on hikes and it'd be time to climb a mountain. And I would be stuck with the, the uh, whichever adult was chaperoning me, uh, who no longer got to be with the rest of the group, had to be with the slowest, most out of shape kid in the group. And I would be like, it would be like a death march sort of thing. Like I am pouring sweat. I am wheezing. The air is thin. I have, you know, like if I've had to get, have a pack on for, for water or whatever, it's a bunch of weight that I'm not used to carrying too. And I just have these miserable experiences. And until just recently, and I realized I can, I can actually do this at my pace. And so I might hike a mountain, but I'm probably coming back with a hundred pictures of moss and sunshine streaming through the trees and stuff like that. And honestly, a short hike can be, for, for me can come back with a hundred pics of mundane stuff. But I'm like, look at this, look at this moss. It's great. You know, nature, nature is so healing. And I wish people understood that. And, you know, I feel bad for people that maybe do smoke because they're probably never going to have the lung capacity that we do to to climb those mountains, to see that moss, to see the sunset. Crazy as it sounds to hear those coyotes. And mm -hmm. so I'm I'm just I'm wondering, is that how you when you knew about the smokers when you were dealing with funeral homes? Is that what made you decide to use hypnotherapy? to yeah. help these people stop smoking? Yeah, it was um, in the funeral industry, um, especially kind of um, being a first responder within that. Um, I got to be in people's homes of all sorts of homes. Uh, you know, whether we are talking mansions on the lake overlooking things, um, or we're talking trailers deep in the woods, you know, hard to, hard to find, hard to navigate to. Um, I've, I've been in just about every kind of home there is. Um, and so you get to see kind of how people's choices impact their life. And I definitely noticed that smoking tended to correlate with folks living, living not their best life, wow. you know, <clears throat> and when I learned that that uh, hypnotherapy was a way that that could change. And in fact, and a really effective way to change that. Like how, how can I not like if I'm here for impact, like if I want the world to be changed and different, um, how, how can I, how can I sit on the sidelines and, and just do the, I mean, kind of cleanup work. Um, yes. If the other option is I can help folks get clear of this, one of one of my favorite things that uh, my clients will do for me, I'll do for themselves, I guess. But um, when I check in with them after uh, after they've quit smoking, is I'm I'm thinking of one client in particular. Uh, I noticed that um, after we'd had the the quit session, I'm just kind of checking in later. There's a bunch of like greenery in her background, like, you know, in her office space, there's a bunch of plants. 
I think that's very, very interesting. Those weren't there before. I mean, there was maybe a couple, but, you know, now there's like this rainforest inside her office. And she, she uh, during the call, she dismounts her, her webcam. I do a lot of my work over Zoom. She dismounts her webcam and turns it around to look out the window at her garden, which, uh, according to her, had, you know, basically been completely neglected for a good long time. But as a non-smoker, she's got all this time to, like, do the garden. By the way, um, a pack-a-day smoker is usually in it um, conservatively for two hours a day of smoke breaks. Oh, two if, hours? Two hours. So there are 20 cigarettes in a pack. If you figure um, just five minutes to smoke each. And, of course, a, a smoker in the middle of their thing will tell you, it doesn't, like, I multitask, it doesn't really take any time. Um, but realistically, um, I don't know, uh, what your experience multitasking is, but I find that, uh, I find that even if I watch a YouTube and brush my teeth, my teeth brushing goes slower. Um, sure. but, uh, but yeah, if you're in it for 20 cigarettes and five minutes a piece, you're at a hundred minutes right there. Most smokers run to a convenience store, by the way, uh, 90 9.7% of convenience stores sell tobacco products. Um, but uh, if, if uh, you're running to the store and it only takes you 15 or 20 minutes to, to go grab another pack, 100 plus 15 or 20, you're at two hours. And, wow, that, that's crazy. Yeah. That's, and you know, it's, it's so interesting because not only are you, in my opinion, I've never been a smoker, but it's, I feel that you're wasting your money, but you're also wasting your time and we never get our time back ever. You know, think of what that adds up to. If it's two hours a day, what does that add up to in a year of things well, you could have been doing other than that? Um, one of kind of one of my favorite things to think about when, when, when thinking about two hours relative to what you could do. Um, many people are in some sort of a relationship. Uh, whether they're happy there or not, they're in some sort of a relationship often. And there are studies that have shown that um, people can fall in love. Well, obviously, we know that people can fall in love. You hear these stories. Uh, fall in love in, in just seconds of seeing something, which was also a fun thing in the, the funeral industry to meet people at the end of their life and ask, how did you meet? Loads of fun to hear the stories, right? Oh, I saw him. He was, he was walking across the university campus. I was hundreds of feet away and I knew he was like, love these stories. Um, but on the science side of things, the more replicatable side of things, they have found that if you spend um, 90 minutes with somebody with um, basically they coach people to, to ask, progressively more um progressively deeper questions of each other start out nice and nice and simple uh get into more background uh more emotionally charged uh content and you end that up with with like i think it's a minute of eye gazing at the end or something like that you spend 90 minutes doing that procedure there is a really high chance those two people are going to be in love not just like, oh, I wouldn't mind dating this person. They're going to be actually in love, just as in love as most anybody ever, ever experiences. If, if that can be done with three quarters of the time it takes to smoke a pack of cigarettes. 
and wow. somebody is smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. What's, uh, what possibilities are available for them in terms of their, their family life, their home life, um, to, to be deeply connected with the people they already love um, or would like to love? Um, just like this, I don't know, <laughs> I get kind of excited about that, right? Yes. Well, so many possibilities what to do with your time if you're not taking that smoke break. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like we were talking about the financial uh, aspect, by, by the way, um, uh, outside of um, outside of hypnosis, which is frankly a fairly, um, fairly niche thing. Uh, a lot of people don't think about it most days of their life, right? Some people don't think about it ever. Um, when public health authorities are trying to figure out um, how to how to get people to stop, uh, the most effective thing that they have found is to jack up the price. Um, oh, really? Which you know uh, is often one of the first things that people talk to me about is they can talk about the fact that it's bleeding them through the nose uh, to to have. Um, Again, uh, in my area, uh, name brand cigarettes, uh, pack a day, you're, you're looking at $4,000, $15. Actually, I think it's probably gone up since the last time I ran the numbers. That's a um, lot of money. And I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking back also to um, a lady who called me. She was an Uber driver. Uh, frankly, uh, in times past, maybe when Uber was starting, that used to be a certain level of lucrative. Um, now it's probably less lucrative, at least in our current market. And a lot of people have, you know, kind of, uh, gotten into the, the Uber game, but she's telling me she's smoking three packs a day. Oh, that's 900 bucks a month. Now, my goodness, this, this is, this is actually something that, um, that, uh, the increased prices has made very rare. I almost never hear people reporting that they're uh, smoking three packs a day uh, mm. because nobody, nobody can afford it. Um, right. Decades ago, it was not uncommon to, to hear, you know, hear reports from, from chain smokers, uh, folks who, you know, be in it for, for not 60, but a hundred cigarettes in a day, um, five packs, something like that. Um, that's a lot of money these days and that's a lot of money so it's usually the financial aspect that gets people going hey i'd like to like to stop now for me uh if if it's just the money i'm i'm going to be digging for more motivation uh i'm i'm going to want to know what it is uh emotionally that gets people people going um or gets people wanting to stop actually because yeah. that's where the juice is the oh i i would be happy to smoke but uh i just can't afford it right now well, that's that's maybe not not where we want to be um yeah. people who are like well this money is killing me but also my skin looks terrible and i smell smell ridiculous and it's it, once upon a time it was a very social thing to do and now i'm the pariah i have to stand outside in the cold or the rain or something like that in order to smoke at the bar um or at the office um and then contrasting that with okay how would you like to be as a non-smoker 
well, I'd love to be a good influence on my nieces and nephews or my children or my grandchildren. Uh, I would love to, you know, I used to hike, but I don't hike anymore. And I'd love to go to the national parks now that I'm retired. I get a, you know, a fair number of folks who are kind of in that retirement bracket. Um, but I want to get these, these contrasting experiences of, of like, Hey, it actually kind of sucks. I don't like to talk about how much it sucks because, well, in our society, we often don't and smokers, yeah. maybe especially more. Uh, and I also want to get the bright, shiny future that we're excited about. So, well, you know, I heard you talk about the subconscious mind, mm -hmm. you know, a couple, a few minutes ago in our conversation. And I'm just wondering um, with NLP, could you explain that a little bit to our audience and also how that could assist someone and stop in getting to the root of the problem and helping them stop? Because I, I think if you, would you use that and hypnosis to help someone stop smoking? So usually, um, usually I conceive of my world through the lens of hypnosis. Uh, that's just where mm -hmm. I've spent most of my time studying and it's been more recent and prevalent for me. Also, I will say, um, NLP people, NLP people may not want to hear this, but, uh, hypnosis and NLP are kind of like different sides of the same coin. There are okay. different ways of languaging to access uh, stuff going on in our unconscious mind. Uh, whether you call it uh, NLP or you call it trance or hypnosis or give it a dozen other names, um, it's the realization that some stuff is conscious and some stuff is unconscious. And if we're not talking to the unconscious mind, we might not be talking to where the problem is. Um, so, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's, that's really, really interesting. It, the subconscious fascinates me. It really, really does. But could you just briefly explain what NLP is for someone who might not know exactly what it is? Yeah. So the NLP stands for neuro-linguistic programming. And basically, maybe the easiest way to think about it is the realization that, um, thanks to what we have to do to create ourselves as functional beings as we grow up words mean things to us they mean different things to each of us but they have associations that have um have come kind of we've wrapped into everything um now that's going to be in specific a little bit different for every person if i ask you to think of a flower what mm -hmm. color is the flower that comes to your mind? Pink. <laughs> Actually, I got pink as well. Oh, interesting. Um, but that's not going to be true for everyone. There may be a lot of people who come up with a pink flower. Uh, there might be people who think of a rose, whether it's pink or not. Uh, there might be people who, uh, I've, got, uh, I've got fuchsia, the flower fuchsias, uh, on my mind uh, right at the moment uh, now. But it could be... Um, it could be a flower sitting in somebody's uh, front garden. It could be a, a bouquet handed to them. Um, the flowers that come up in mind are going to be different for every person. And I know from doing this for myself, uh, sometimes they're different time to time. Uh, sometimes it's a red flower for me. Sometimes it's, um, it's garden flowers. Sometimes it's a potted plant. 
Um, but it's there's the thing, and then there's all the um, context around it that comes up as the um, vision that I see. <clears throat> now, NLP has uh, different ways, um, focuses on different ways of understanding. There's kind of the um, the visual, what pictures we see. There's the kinesthetic, what it is that we we feel uh, in our body. Uh, you know, this is this is me kind of miming uh, what we feel with our fingertips, but it could be anywhere in your body. Uh, there's the things that we hear, uh, what sounds around us uh, are going on, and there's also the um, I guess the next well, there's there's olfactory gustatory, uh, which is your taste and smell. Uh, those can be important. You uh, probably the most um, most relatable one of those is if you uh, had an experience as a child where maybe uh, a parent or a grandparent baked cookies and you have that mm -hmm. fresh cookie smell come to you at some time in a bakery, uh, <laughs> that it might bring you right back to that moment. Um, Mine is the... freshly mowed grass. Okay, excellent. Takes me right back to childhood. Mm -hmm. And this this is this is a beautiful thing uh the associations that you built with uh, your childhood and the smell of grass um can be triggered so is that you you know you smell the grass and you might know that you're not you know eight nine ten years old whatever the age was right but your attention is all right there all the way back right oh yeah and if if there was if there was something that you needed to um, do or manipulate uh, manipulates a weird word in in our language a lot of people have manipulated the use of the word manipulate to be negative <laughs> good way to put it <laughs> but the the root is is hand mano um, I manipulate a pen to do it uh, I, I have a three-year-old I have to manipulate him to keep him out of the road um, these, if I want him to survive, I've, I've got to do a fair yes. bit of manipulation. Um, it's, it is actually a neutral thing that has gotten some baggage over the years. Um, I've completely forgot where I was going. Oh yes. If, if you've got one of these associations, it triggers you, sends you all the way back. Um, a lot of times you'll go all the way back as a child. You'll experience as a child. Um, what can be powerful is if you uh, bring a little bit of consciousness or intention back with it and there's something you need to change. Honestly, if you enjoy, uh, enjoy the fresh mowed grass and just that as a memory, just enjoy it. If it's a golden memory, just, it is. just enjoy. Like, here's, here's another thing. Um, I feel like I'm a little off topic here, but but when we have these pleasant experiences, anything that gives you joy, uh, studies have shown that that uh, that um, that joy will increase your basically your productivity, your um, your in, your active intelligence, your ability to do projects and get things done, and sometimes that that boost in productivity will last like two days. So if you have yourself a great reminiscence based on the smell of cookies or grass or whatever it is for you, right? And by the way, yes. uh, for anybody watching, every time I say grass, fresh mowed grass, see what happens to Nicole's face. I smile. Whole, she, she smiles. Her body starts rocking back and forth. 
because the unconscious part of her, she didn't choose any of these things. But her unconscious mind is like, yes, this is great. Let's talk more about mowing lawns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, it was from when I grew up. I re, it was like everybody worked all week long. Saturday was the time you did your chores. And so I would be cleaning a room. My mom would be doing something. My brother would be doing something. And my dad would be mowing the lawn. And it just yeah. takes me back to a much simpler time of, of great happiness. Yeah. Not that I'm not happy now, but it's a very good memory for me. So that that in itself is absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah. And these, I'm going to say something that for some people listening who may be not in their best state right at the moment will seem controversial, but we all have uh, resourceful memories, things that have gone very well for us. And when we tap into those things, so that was the, the, I have definitely been in times in my life where I would reject that statement. No, nothing goes right for me. Like, I think we've all been through points in our life, many people anyway, Yes. where we, we go, ah, oh, no, there's nothing goes right in my life. Everything is, everything is rubbish. Uh, this is, um, this is state dependent learning, basically, uh, where when you're in a terrible state, you only remember the yucky stuff in life um when you are having a great time you don't remember the yucky stuff it doesn't it seems so far away it seems distant because you're in a great state so it's like having um uh, if if your mind is a, a mansion this is a metaphor here if your mind is a mansion it's like you walked into the room with all the great stuff and all the great stuff is in the room when you're in a good state you you naturally gravitate to the room with all the great stuff and all your favorite toys, all your favorite memories are in there. When you have accidentally wandered around, maybe you've you've just gone for a stroll around your mental space, you turn up in the everything is crap room. <laughs> I've been there. Of, yeah, it's full of, of all the people who've said negative things. It is full of all the, the broken toys that don't work no more. Uh, all, all the rubbish situations uh, are kind of stored in that in that space. And uh, if uh, another metaphor here, if life is like a roller coaster, when you're at the top, you see this great view. You're you're up above. You look at the you know look at the sky. You look at you know, down at the mountains. It's great. When you're down in the valley, you're underneath the fog layer, and everything looks dark and murky and terrible. Um, so this kind of the state dependent learning thing um, makes it real. Um, basically makes the experience you're having now seem like the only experience that you can have. And oh, that's amazing. if you're having a great experience, it's great. And it will add to your productivity. It will add to your ability to reach your goals. Um, if that's not the experience you're having, then, well, you're probably going to move slower. You're probably uh, going to do less purposeful uh, tasks. Uh, you're not going to be as smart. I don't want to tell you. You're just not going to be as smart. You're not going to be usefully as smart uh, as as you would be in a better state. Um, and a lot of times, uh, and I'm not saying like I don't do this, but a lot of times you get into the the crappy room uh, and you just kind of go, well, let me focus on here. I'm like, this looks terrible. Let me see what I can I can do in here. We don't realize you got to step out of the room. 
back to where our resources are. And if we bring the resources in, you know, like if, uh, if there's no lights because all the lights burn out in the, in the crappy room, you got to bring a flashlight in to fix anything. If you don't bring resources into that place, it's going to stay terrible. And if you stay stuck in a place that's terrible, you're going to have complaints. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Jonathan, we are at the end of our interview. It went so fast. And I want to tell you, it's just fascinating to listen to you. You, I've learned so much from you. And it's the funniest thing is when you said, you know, look at me, I'm smiling. And when talking about the fresh mowed grass, and it's sometimes those are things you don't even catch yourself doing, you know, till someone points it out. So I, I have enjoyed this interview so much with you. This is, this has been very enlightening, very encouraging that, you know, we can use those memories to our advantage. And I just want to thank you for being on today. It was You're it welcome. was wonderful having you here. Nicole, can can I can I borrow two more minutes of your time? Absolutely. Would I? I some people um, find it useful to have a reset where if they're in the crappy room, they can extricate themselves back into the joyous room. Uh, so that maybe you're walking into a meeting and you need to be on your game. Maybe you just want to be in a better place. But if you close your eyes. And imagine there's a mirror in front of your face. And as you imagine that mirror, there's a face in that mirror. Change that face in whatever way you need to be a, the, just this smiling face, a face smiling with the most genuine, mm -hmm. honest, contagious smile you've ever seen. Maybe you change it in, in big ways or little ways, maybe starting with the corners of the mouth. Maybe bringing the cheeks up. Maybe it's the corners of the eyes starting to show those little little uh, crow's feet, the little wrinkles that let you know that the eyes are smiling too. When the whole face is a big smile, and you'll know that you're doing this right when you start to feel your physical face smiling back at you too. Give that about 20 seconds. Uh, neurology is a weird thing. Bad information comes in faster, locks in, locks in faster. We have to give good information about 20 seconds to lock in to equal it out. Mm -hmm. It's simple. We just give it 20 more seconds. And when you see that, that smiling face beaming at you, it just resets you to a place where you can go tackle the next thing. And when you've had that experience, you've felt your, your physical muscles of your face responding to the image in the mirror, just bring yourself back and go have at it. It doesn't take but 20 seconds to boost yourself right out of the, the crappy room and into the, I'm ready to tackle this space. So I just wanted to offer that because. Absolutely. Honestly, that's so that great. That Sorry, is so great. No, I, I've never heard of doing that. So I'm going to utilize that too. I, so. The nickname I have for that is the inner smile. Um, the but inner it's, smile. it is, I, I use it in all sorts of places for like, if I'm uh, doing push-ups and I'm kind of tired of the push-ups, but I know I got more in me, I click in the inner smile to put me in, in the mood to do the next several push-ups. Uh, if I'm about to do something that I'm a little nervous about and I know I need to do it, this is the, the good, stuff's, good stuff's where I'm going. Uh, let's use that to put myself in a place where, where I show up as my best self. So wow. that's, that's one that's, of my That's amazing things. advice for everyone. Everyone could utilize that, couldn't they? I think so. Yeah.
So Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on today. And I'm going to practice my inner smile when I start my housework after this. So I will keep you posted on if it works or not. But I do, again, want to thank you for being here. And this is going to be a very beneficial interview. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I'm Nicole Harvick, and this is my co-host, Rachel Best. And we look forward to seeing you again next time.